I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, this is Ricky Wilde. Welcome to Unsung Heroes. This week we've got a fabulous guest, um, Tony Swain. What a legend that guy is. Yeah, it was a lovely interview, Ricky, I must say. Um, We were sat in your studio. Yeah. You obviously know Tony. You go back uh, quite a way. And you could really feel that sitting in a room. It was just a really uh, chilled out, relaxed vibe. And I think your listeners are going to enjoy it. Tony's an incredible talent. He wrote and produced loads of hits for Bananarama, Alison Moyet, Mariah Carey. Mariah Carey sampled uh, a track called Just an Illusion that he wrote for a band called That's Imagination a, back in the tune, 80s. Wasn't it? And Mariah Carey sampled it. Yeah, on her most successful album. Well, he goes on to talk about that. We, we, yeah, uh, yeah, he mentions that, and um, I said a great story. Yeah, but he's written like for yeah, imagination, body talk, flashback. What a talent! What a talent! And I was lucky enough to work with Tony uh, back in eighty three, eighty four, I think Mm -hmm. it was, and we co-produced one of Kim's albums called Close, and we had yeah, quite a few hits off that album. I've got some lovely memories of that. He's one of the sods as well that we've talked about before yeah um, Society of, of Distinguished, Distinguished Songwriters. Songwriters can I just ask Ricky what's the remit of being invited into the sods is it do you, do you get to be invited in or can you apply or what's, what's basically we have like three stag do's and then a ladies night at the end of the year and and each stag do someone will propose a writer and whoever's there on the night will decide we put it to a vote oh, everyone gets a vote everyone yeah. gets a vote oh, wow. and it goes into a hat if you've got the majority then you're invited yeah to be a member wow and so uh, but yeah there's been a few names that have been brought up but i've thought yeah definitely they're legends mm. and they've been voted out and it's really? kind of like wow do you think it's because so, people got personal things with them or yeah, I d- I d- just, it can you be never know what's going on you don't know why you mate know. you don't know why i mean there's some of the names that i've her proposed that have been turned down. I've been absolutely flabbergasted. Really? And, um, Ooh, uh, yeah. a, that was and, a good podcast, that. Really. Yeah. yeah, and then it makes you realise how lucky you are to be in there. You know what I mean? It's wow. like, God, if he gets voted out, how did I get in? Now, listen, so, me um, and uh, the wife, Alison, been very lucky to have been invited to one of the ladies' nights. And I yeah. think it was as a result of that, Rick, to be honest, that the idea of a podcast came about, didn't it? Yeah. Um, 
so what happens in the ladies' night? Everyone gets up and performs the songs that they've written. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's a unique um, evening because when when you yeah, get you people like Richard Kirk getting up, who wrote Mandy. Yeah. I mean, what a beautiful song! It's a classic song, and he yeah, gets I remember up he and sang that sang the night it. we were there, and uh, how amazing! You just was could that? not buy yeah. that kind of yeah. performance yeah. in a room or that that yeah. amount of talent in one room. Unbelievable! Yeah, some and of the songs read blessing God. Well, that was what we talked about at the time when yeah. Les was there. Les yeah. performed and kind of, very, a kind of hush. What a tune! Very that sadly, was. died quite soon afterwards. Yeah, he did. Yeah, and I said to you at that time, Rick, didn't I? I said we've got to document these yeah, guys. You yeah. know, they're sort of they're not getting any younger. They've got fantastic stories, fantastic yeah, history. Yeah. And I think if we're doing nothing else here with this podcast, we're documenting the history of these guys and getting it all down on, on you know, for yeah. people to listen to. And I think that's a, I think that's a really important thing. And some of the stories these guys have got, and some of the songs they've written, and, and mm. everybody knows them, but they don't know the guys behind it. Well, that's exactly and, um, why the unsung heroes come about, exactly, wasn't it? Yeah. Because literally, yeah, I was there. And you would know them all, Ricky, but I wouldn't. Yeah. And 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 yeah, literally in a room full of people that I didn't recognise no. at all. No. You'd walk past them in the street, or yeah. if you, you know, in Morrison's, you'd walk you'd walk past them when you're in the supermarket. Yeah. But as soon as they get down and start playing the piano, you think, fuck it, yeah. what? that's a tune. But also, all the, all the people that these guys have worked with, all the legends of the of the industry over the years, and, yeah. you know, they, they've, they, they, it's right the way through, through from the bloody 50s through, yeah. through to now. Yeah, you know? and actually a lot of the artists as well owe their careers to oh, these guys. Absolutely. You know, these are the guys absolutely. that are sort of the, yeah. you know, the engine room. They're yeah. in the engine yeah. room, you know, yeah. they're, they're sort of there. And the, you yeah. know, it's when you really get a sense that if an artist isn't writing his own music and yeah. producing it and he's just the yeah. front man, yeah. well... It, there's nothing without these guys back writing all these, yeah. these great tunes for them. And this day and age, most of the artists write their own tunes. But back in the 50s and 60s, yeah, I think you found that a lot of the artists didn't. You know, mm. like Tom Jones, Elvis Presley, actually. Frank Sinatra. Frank Sinatra. They yeah. didn't write their own songs, mm. and, and they needed these guys yeah. to, to come up with these amazing tunes. And, and that's how it was in those days. It was mm. kind of like you were a writer, and that was your job, and then there'd be an artist, and that was their job. But yeah, very clearly defined. Yeah, it, yeah, it, was, yeah. it really was. And <coughs> these guys... So they were so talented and these beautiful, stunning songs. Um, but you're right, Jake, they needed to be documented to the mm. story as to where they came from and, and what inspired them. Yeah. Absolutely. So that's what we've done here with Tony Swain. Yeah. yeah. Uh, as you said, he's, you know, you've worked with him years ago. Lovely guy. Uh, yeah. First time I met him. Yeah. And yeah, it was just the three of us um, sitting in a room. And, and it, again, great what fantastic chat, stories uh, Tony's got as well. So, um, well, let's hear him. But yeah, let's hear him. Tony Swain. And here we are with Mr. Tony Swain. Hello. Um, how are you, mate? I am fine. First Great of all, thank you. you for coming. It's, it's lovely to have you here. It's a pleasure to see you on this rather horrible uh, rainy day. It's not very nice. You're a ray of sunshine, Rick. <laughs> <laughs> and you, Jake, of course. Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, so let me first explain to you what this is all about. This is um, it's a podcast called um, Unsung Heroes. Right. Um, and it's basically, I, I just want to celebrate people behind the scenes in the music music industry like uh, lighting guys, sound guys, engineers, art directors, choreographers, uh, movers and shakers, songwriters, people like yourself, Tony, right. um, the people that make the magic. And right. you are certainly one of those people, Tony. Well, thank you. Um, I've, I've had the great pleasure of working with you when we did the Close album back Absolutely. in 84. Six. Six, I think. Um, yeah. Making that album with you is a great experience. Uh, and, and Kim, of course, you know, and we just, not all albums are a happy event. You know, yeah. you, 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 even if they're successful or, or anything, yeah, you can spend yeah. a year in the studio and sometimes you think you made a great album and it doesn't connect how you want to or yeah. anything else. But that was, that was a very good 
and a fun project to do. It was, and and I think it, it sounded it yeah. up until that point. I hadn't worked with anybody else as as a producer. Um, so it was an interesting experience for me, but it was something that I really wanted to um, embrace. And I was just so happy the way... I, I knew you before because you, you'd come into our studio working with Louise Goffin, I think. Yeah, Carol King's daughter. That's yeah. right, yeah. yeah. And um, so we'd, we'd got we become mates through that, really. And um, so obviously when it came to the point of working on the Close album, I did feel that I wanted a fresh injection of uh, creative energy and and I thought of you immediately. And it was lovely the way the whole process happened and, and, yeah, I was very grateful that you joined us on that. It was great because the point is you and I are both musicians, so so there was a lot of... Given you know you, you know there was like suggestions flying everywhere and and, and we it, you know we had problems with some of the tracks and, yeah. and and others, but the outcome and you're you're you are the king of sequences you know and the fair light and 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 that sort of sound going way back into because that that was quite uh, that was new technology then wasn't it because the, yeah. the the fair light two I think we worked on on That's right. that album yeah and um, I remember I'd not had it long so I was yeah. still getting my head round. Um, the, using that and how, yeah. how that you know the cap- capabilities of that particular synth. Yeah. And I remember um, and sampling, was, yeah, and all that yeah. stuff. And the thing yeah. is, I just remember that the the Fairlight was did it have Winchester drives or something? Or was that a Sinclavier? I, I think can't remember. Sinclavier, yeah. that was. Yeah, everything cost a fortune, didn't yeah. it? I think it was a yeah. great machine, but there were some capabilities that, that it couldn't do. And I yeah. remember because we taken up to meet Human League yeah. to to produce their next album, mm. uh, and and in fact we we didn't. And I met. Phil and the mm. girls, which mm. is an experience. That's a book yeah, in itself. Yeah, I can't yeah, tell you. Yeah. And um, uh, he likes a lot of the work that I'd done on the Imagination albums. And the thing is, and he had the Sinclavier. And I remember him, you know, going, you know, what do you think of this? And he played, you know, keep. He just hit a key and he went, keep feeling fascination. The backing vocals. Yeah, and yeah, I thought, yeah. okay, well, you know, it's good for some things. But. Yeah. Well, it's the, it was the first um, sampler that that came out that was kind of longer than two seconds, and yeah. you could have like a minute and a half or something like that. Yes. Um, in mono, obviously, not yeah. st- it wasn't even stereo. No. Um, and so we had the mono sampler, and so yeah, so for recording whole choruses and flying them in was yeah. it was a, an absolute godsend we used to fly choruses yeah. in but we yeah. did it with the tape because yeah. we didn't have it and we yeah. just literally marked the tape up yeah. on another machine and, and just go one two three bang yeah. and then you yeah. get the whole chorus and people went what are you doing yeah. well, we said well we worked out why would we keep singing the same chorus yeah. over again yeah. eating up studio time and the vocalists getting worn out when yeah. we could just dump it and use the same chorus and, yeah. and people went oh and, and, and then and um, obviously, you had, you had to um, bear in mind that when you were writing the song, not to have a key change. Yes, of course. Yeah, well, yeah, because we didn't have the technology for that. But because then you have to record the chorus all over again in the new key, yeah, the new key, then, yeah, which yeah. meant you couldn't fly in. So you kind of like. And, <laughs> and in the early days, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and Duran Duran were recording next door. This is all in Red Bus in London, and, and yeah. Colin Thurston, who's sadly not around anymore, yeah. um, he was producing that. And Simon Le Bon was, I think, staying at his house, and Simon was learning his singing trade, I'll put it like that at the time. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it turned out to be obviously great and everything else. But yeah. And Colin came in to the studio <laughs> to see me, went, what am I going to do? You know, like, you know, I told yeah. him about, like, put this effect on him, do this and yeah, do that. Yeah, and, yeah. and there was a lot of exchange of information between people yeah. going, 
you know, Steve Lavinia was doing Culture Club and he was going, how do you do that? And what, what do you do? How do you get that bass drum sound? And he had all the new instruments and I said, oh, can I borrow that? And, yeah, you know, yeah. that's, well, that's what it's like. Yeah. Like you and I were always talking about, yeah. you know, instruments yeah. and that and everything else. And I remember there's an era where we were all, there was this like a craze to buy personalised number plates. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, that's a I very eighties thing to do. That was yeah, and and there was so we were talking about <laughs> yeah, we were talking about like the lexicon. We we're talking about in numbers like yeah. some outboard gear was called the four eighty XL. Yeah, yeah. So in between, I remember my engineer Richard and he go. I say, have you seen the 480XO? He says, what's that, a number plate? So, <laughs> yeah. so we were trying to talk about like outboard gear, number yeah. plates, and I was like, yeah. oh, whatever, and cars. Yeah. That's all yeah. we talked about, cars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Porsches. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Those were the days. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We've touched on that on, on uh, the other pods we've done, haven't we, in terms of how technology has changed the landscape of songwriting and how yeah. much, uh, you know, it's fascinating to hear how it was before. I mean, do you think it's totally... Of course, it's totally changed in the last, you know, 10 years or whatever. It's changing all the time. But do you think it's so much easier now for songwriters? Totally. I mean, it's interesting you said that because the, the 80s was, there was such a technical advance because of the sampling, because we couldn't, to play a decent piano sound, you had to play a decent piano. Because yeah. the one thing they had problems with was like the bandwidth of this early sampling. And then, you know, so we were all craving for something that would do like the Fairlight came along and that was groundbreaking really because it, it, it and then Akai made a, a sampler, the 9000, then the 1000. But the, the, the Fairlight still sounded better. And that's what that yeah. Kim's close album was made on. It had had roundness to it. The, yeah. the, the, the Akai didn't have a sort of nice round bottom end but the uh, the I've talked about this before somewhere else. the whole 80s was dom dominated by this and, mm. and it was in the records you can plot it from Peter Gabriel's monkey you know drop the monkey to uh, Thomas Dolby hyperactive whatever it's called yeah. all the records were changing because of the equipment yeah uh, and, oh, and, yeah. And, and they were sounding very sequence very robotic yeah. and everyone got addicted to it i mean scritty politi you know yeah. like you know would yeah. be but it was it's easily marked and by the end of the 80s we had everything yeah, yeah. We, we had everything but then someone came along with a, a computer based on the atari that instead of costing 60 grand this thing did a similar thing for like a grand and that was it and and, and but this all this stuff you can read that history in mm. the tracks definitely yeah. Yeah, definitely you can hear it can't you yeah yeah, yeah. And, and then we got really crunchy, I think, and then very bright, and then yeah. big gated drums. I mean, obviously, Phil Collins, Something in the Air is a great example of that. But uh, it was just the, it was like, oh, my God, have you heard that on that? How did they do that? Oh, it's that, so we'll get that in. Mm. I did an album. Uh, the, the first track I had success with was Imagination Body Tour, which was a very sort of disco-y dancing but not sequence actually I, I played most of the stuff on it and the bass and, and all that stuff which has sort of become a bit of a sort of internet mystery which I put right of what it was mm. you know and after that album we were we were asked to do a remix album mm -hmm. uh, and when nobody was doing any remixes I said mm. I said really you want me to go in again it's like I've done that, and I don't really want to do it again. And, and was it re-recording it, or was it just remixing? It, it? was taking, yeah. This was night dubbing, yeah. an album called Night Dubbing. Now, yeah. uh, um, so the, the sort of thought about that is, it's easy. You don't have to do anything. We don't have to get the artist in. We don't have to pay anything. This was the record company. So it's just yeah. studio time, and that's it. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. it. It's the same tapes, same things, and it's just like making it something else. Well. Mm. 
So we thought, okay, you know. So we hired every piece of equipment that was new um, and went mad. I mean, I'm talking about going from very speeding the multi-tracks up and down. There was a thing called the Plubison French thing called Infernal Machine. This could stretch anything like elastic or, or not, you know. So we, we ran things at half speed, double speed, did things that had never been done before. We put speakers and we swung expensive microphones over them like this to make it sound <laughs> yeah. mad. Yeah. Well, I didn't enjoy really any of it because it was hard work <laughs> but, and I didn't really want to do it. But the, And I, I, I just, that album went at number nine. I just went, oh, my God. And yeah. I remember hearing it coming out of cars and I went, oh, my God, because no one had done that really. No, They'd not no. taken anything and messed with it. Yeah. And the thing is, it was another look. And, of course, now remixing yeah. is, is just crazy. You yeah. Know, absolutely crazy. Yeah. Well, that's an art in itself as well. Yeah, absolutely. So you were born in 1952. Oh, so they say. So they say. <laughs> we talked about that this morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. allegedly. <laughs> Don't um, remind me. And you, you were born in London, not Stockport, because I said Stockport to Graham Gorman, and he said no. Shepherd's Bush. Shepherd's Bush. Yeah. Tony, what were your musical influences? Oh, my goodness. If you look at the chart in the 50s, it was literally yeah. Russ Conway, you know, yeah, all yeah, this yeah, sort of yeah. weird, yeah. weird stuff. And then, of course, the Beatles came, and I was just transfixed by that thought of what what they were doing yeah. and what they what you could do it wasn't about the drums or the piano it's what you could do with the tape recorder yeah and so you're fascinated by production at that age yeah i mean I, my 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 sort of upbringing history my grandfather made radiograms and, mm. and a long time ago my one of my ancestors my great great grandfather was a famous clockmaker and and yeah. and i've got this sort of like weird engineering fascination going on in my brain as well yeah. so uh, when when I was about seventeen eighteen, my parents bought me a Revox. Now the uh, the Revox was a machine made by the same company who makes the analog twenty four track Studer. Yeah. And then we uh, bought a four track and and everything else, and then it went from there. Yeah. But I ended up as you know working in television. Yes, your cameraman. Uh, yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah. And sometime boom operator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometime. Yeah. But I went to BBC to do sound. Yeah. And then I thought this isn't really that interesting. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I, I want to get behind the cameras, yeah, you know, yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. Uh, or direct or do something like that. And yeah. so I, I, I went, I ended up in ATV in L Street doing, um, yeah, doing yeah. filming. Yeah, because that's where we, we okay. film at the moment. Yeah, that's where okay. we film EastEnders. Yeah, well, you are. They've still yeah. got the studio. I think it's Studio D or something. That's right. And yeah. uh, they've still got a balcony, you know, where the two Muppets sit and all yeah. that. Stan and Waldorf. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, I've got the, the yeah, so I know that one. You've got the, you're on the back lot, aren't you? That's it. The, yeah, 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 it's yeah, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah so much um, history in that studio. Yeah. So but we had the most brilliant time there. Yeah. I, I can't even tell you. I mean, yeah. I still see people from that era. Mm. We, 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 it was, it was just fantastic. And was Tom Jones there at that time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And we Jones did all there. the American specials because we were working in colour before BBC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, I, I saw um, Gene Kelly do Singing in the Rain in front of my eyes. I saw, wow. I, I was uh, tracking cameras uh, while Laurence Olivier was doing Merchant of Venice and he was like here. Barbara Streisand specials, Stevie Wonder, Tina Turner, you know, all these things, John Cleese, you know, but all the guests on the Muppets, they yeah. had some incredible guests. Yeah. So, and, yeah. and we did the last, I did the last 
time Bing Crosby did White Christmas. Wow. That was me. I shot, you know, with David Bowie <laughs> doing that. And that was you, you were behind the camera, were you? We were doing the cameras, yeah. Oh, yeah, God. so, um, yeah. <laughs> I did, of course, you know, I did those when I was six. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I don't even start doing the numbers, you know. <laughs> Jesus <Yeah>. Christ. <laughs> so how'd you, how'd you go from that? Were you writing music All in the, the background? Time. Yeah. yeah, I was signed to... Um, uh, I got a record deal while I was there with Polydor. Really? Wow. Yeah, yeah, and and, uh, and and that's that. Yeah, so we were in a band, and then all I could think about, even when I was ATV, I love the camera, I love the the whole thing, um, was music, mm. uh, and and that was it. It was just. F- filled my mind all the time that's really what I wanted to do so incredible because in some ways you had a career there for, for life didn't you you know especially yeah. at that time BBC is sort of yeah. BBC staff you could stay there and yeah um, so yeah in one sense your life is kind of going in one direction but you had this other well yeah I had this sort of hankering yeah. you know, and, that, and of course we, we were well paid uh, there was an opportunity came out I was mm-hmm. 26 yeah which is a bit old to do this so someone said They were building a state-of-the-art studio in London called Red Bus, and this was like, you know, beautiful place. Mm. It was um, no expense spared. And they said, you know, I said, I really want to get in this. And they'd signed us as writers and producers. Signed us? Who who was us? Steve Jolly. Yeah. And where did you meet Steve? At ATV. At ATV? Yeah. Yeah. So he was a boom. He was a sound man. Oh, okay. So so So, so you kind of hit it off musically. Yeah. yeah. We we, we sort of like, you know, that he wanted to be a singer and a writer. So I went really to to Red Bus Studios Mm. as as a tape op. You know, so I went completely backwards. I took a two-thirds cut in salary, which is difficult because I'd have... Right. (laughs) Yeah, and and, and started making tea again, Mm. which was difficult. But I learned, I had to learn about, you know, how it was... I knew about sort of making things and tapes, but I wanted to see professionally how it was done. And and the guy who taught me was Jeff Calver. He produced the, the Walker Brothers, and he was a fantastic engineer. Yeah. So... What did you, what did you learn from him, Tom? Well... I, w- I learned how to mic things up, like, yeah. you know, where do you put a mic on a flute? You know, you yeah. put it above, and, yeah. you know, yeah, and, yeah. and odd things, you know. What mics do you use? Yeah, and how yeah. to record orchestras, yeah. what are compressors and limiters yeah. and, and, and reverbs are about and how to use them properly. So the, everything pretty yeah. much. Yeah, and the problem today is is that, that we've got virtual versions of these things, yeah. and, and if you, you don't know how the real thing works, then you don't really know what you're doing, although yeah. I'm, I'm not criticising you know young people are today because they make some great records with and, mm. and they work in a different way but it's helpful to know what the thing is they're looking at is imitating yes yeah i think but yeah so i learned a lot from him and then we used the dead time to to record what we wanted to do oh they, they allowed you to do that yeah yeah wow. which was great so yeah. and, and as soon as i went in that control room a, a professional control room i just thought i want to be here this is where i belong yeah, this you, is where you found I, your place. Yeah, yeah, I want to be in this environment all the time, mm. uh, and I think think that was it. But but basically, from that, uh, the the, it, the first hit I had transpired from that situation, you know, which was called uh, Body Talk, which actually started life as something else, as an instrumental, and I put synth bass on it, which I played, and people said to me, "You're mad," you know, like, "Why are you doing that?" And I said, "Well, because." I like it, and I think, and and it was that that sort of gave it a stamp. Mm. 
But I've never lost my interest in also camera work. I still love video. You know, I did editing, directed some pop videos, and did that. But but um, did you, did you used to do stuff for your own work, for your own music, or for, for other people? Well, so sometimes for, later on for other other people. Because yeah. when I had my studios, I invested in um, Avid stuff and all that rubbish editing stuff. But the the the, the thing is, is that they, they, to an extent they go hand in hand. I love you know music. Go, the correct music on pictures, you know, yeah. can make a huge difference. So, um, but no, I mean, music is my my first thing. And, and the thing is, is then you feel that when you have a hit, I mean, I remember that going in at 67 and it was the times when it took 18 weeks and it ended up at number four and that was it. And then, then for years and years, we just couldn't do anything wrong. Mm. Other acts came to us and it just got into like a, uh, you know, it was as if my whole yeah. life had been reorientated yeah, and like yeah. someone went, Right, you know, from now on, you're going to have success. Yeah. But it, I'd also been able to call on the, the 10 years before that mm. we'd been messing around and yeah. doing stuff. But you, you did a solo thing, didn't you, with Steve, I think? Yeah. And, then, and that, that single came out, and um, I, was, I was listening to that, actually. And uh, it sounded very much like imagination. That, that baseline, that, that yeah, it, well, basically, it's, it's that's like what you, you could see where it all came, where the imagination stuff yeah, came from. Yeah, exactly. So, so where where did those ideas come from? What was the, what was your inspiration behind those songs? I think the imagination, the, the, the inspiration for for that had had come, and, and the way I'd taken this existing track and changed it. Um, was was really due one of the things I listened to Herb Alpert's Rise, yeah, which is a great track, which was yeah. dun 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 clap dun yeah. dun dun that. Yeah. They'd slowed it all down to get the tempo down. So instead yeah. of one twenty BPM, you know, like night fever yeah. standard disco thing, they'd gone down to eighty something. So I thought, okay, two could do this, and yeah. and and so we came up with this thing, very simple thing, and then um, Lee John and Ashley, they they Lee took it away and put. Uh, wrote the body talk lyric yeah. on top of it, and yeah. and, then, and then it thing. But the thing is, we only ever made twelve inch versions, so you'd end up with the a twelve inch, the best twelve inch, your long version, which yeah. would be on the album, and the twelve inch, and then the the seven inch would be derived from that. I mean, just an illusion took me two days to edit. I thought I was going to go mad. Oh. I mean, it took forever, and that was two. But the bass lines took a couple of days, and they were, they were combined down to one bass line. They were the best of the, the two. So, so can you just quickly go run through that bass line? Because that, that bass sound was, was very unique to Imagination. Um, flashback and... Um, All of them. Yeah. Uh, and and Bernard. Flashback, Just an Illusion. Just an Illusion had that same kind of... That yeah. kind of... Portamento. Yeah. yeah. And you used that quite a lot. And that, that yeah. was so... It's such a distinctive sound. Yeah. And I'd not heard that on any bass um, up until then. Um, in 1979, Roland, um, they started to make synthesizers. And, and this one came from Chiswick near Shepherd's Bush. Yeah. It was only monophonic. Monophonic meaning it would only play one note at a time, yeah. not a chord. Yeah. But it had the slidey switch on it, and and I really got my head around this thing. Yeah. So in the end, I, I decided to use this um, on, on the imagination thing. This was three or four years later. Yeah. And I I sort of used it on loads of different things, and. Um, so you were using that purely as the bass, no bass guitars, which I guess no, up until that no. point. No, and I love the it. sound. Jive Talking by the Bee Gees was yeah. a big hit, and I love this sort of yeah. deep bass yeah. and, and, uh, that you could get out of a synthesised bass. Yeah. So I thought, great, I can do the bass, I can simulate guitar parts yeah, and yeah, Fender Rhodes yeah, and things, yeah. I can do all this, and I can, you know, 
which sounds a bit of a control problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I yeah. think I had this vision. I know, that, I totally relate uh, to that. Yeah, yeah, of how I could do it. And the yeah. point is, that the, the thing was, uh, in the end, is that I decided it sounded a bit plain, although you could do it would do two octaves at a time which made it fat and yeah. cut through yeah. on small radio yeah but i put um a, a guitar pedal an se1 boss chorus yeah and then it got ended up in a dbx compressor like compressed up its own backside yeah and this gave it it just and Kicked, when i mixed yeah. it with a guy called morgan khan who who was part of that record label it was r&b through rip bus he was going to the clubs all the time so he had the ears mm. you know for that and and you know, us all saddos because we didn't have time to go to clubs because we locked in the studio, you yeah, know, yeah. Or, or knackered. So yeah. um, he'd come in and go, he sat with me and, and he went, let's push the bass higher. So mm. when we got the balance on the bass, I'd put it up like 6 dB higher than you normally would. So it's just yeah. like, there. Yeah. And that was it. And it didn't have wow. much on it. It had, I think the magic of that was, was it was synthesizers, uh, Fender Rhodes. Mm great vocals that Lee did but yeah. also an acoustic piano I was going to say that the acoustic piano gave that organic yeah. element to it that yeah. along with Lee's voice it just that's what really made it a, a lot more heartfelt I think and there's something a bit I, I can't I think you know I like Michel Legrand as, as a sort of musician and writer French, the French guy and, and there was something a bit Frenchy things which is why I put these strings on the end that went sort of yeah so basically the question you first asked me was about my influences yeah. from growing up and, the, uh, and those easy listening influences the, the, the sort of musical tracks or film tracks this and jazz was all it all culminated in you know what I liked and yeah. I, I love that sort of R&B slow yeah. stuff yeah. and incredibly enough you know uh, with Just Illusion you know Mariah Carey sample. Yeah, I was it. going to ask you about that. What were your thoughts on that? When, when was, it, was it a sample? Buy a new car. It, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> phone Rick up. Sit and go out for some soup and a yogurt. Yeah. You know, Japanese and, meal for five hundred quid a shot. Yeah. No. Well, I was in a, I was in a very difficult position because at the time I was, you know, the head of international A&R consultant for Universal. Yeah. She was on Universal yeah. and Island Def Jam. And L.A. Reid was a and in that wow. album. And that was her most successful album, I think, as well. Eight and a half million copies. <sighs> so so I, there was crazy. a rumour that she'd used the backtrack, right? There was a, a rumour and they said, someone come into America and said, I've heard that in the office in America. And I went, really? Okay, because I co-wrote it as well as being a producer Amazing. and playing it all. And the thing is, is that no one has said anything, no. You know, no one has approached anybody like the writers or the publishers about this. Really? Uh, yeah, I'd, I was hearing whispers. So I, I went into the CEO, who's a friend, and I said, look, this has put me in a really difficult permission, position. I'm hearing that they've used the track, but nobody's approached me, the publishers or anything. They played it down the phone, and I went, oh, yeah, I know, I recognise that. And she'd written a new line on top. Did, did, did you like it straight away? Or? Yeah, I didn't. I, I thought, OK, fine, it's Mariah Carey, you know, get your number with L.A. Reid, you know, whatever. Uh, yeah. And um, I thought, OK, right. So they said, well, we need to clear it. So I said, what are we talking about here? You know, this is confidential, but, but it isn't quite normal. I mean, they said, well, we're happy to give you 50%. And I went, OK, I think, because of a sample, you, I know people Come who... Come to daddy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know people who got 80% for just a little bit of sample. Yeah. And I thought, fair enough. 
fine, it's a done deal. Lovely. Done deal. And I thought it was totally fair. So later on, uh, it, with my universal hat on, I just went as a universal consultant to some pl- plush Soho cinema in, in the back streets, you know, like private thing, quite big. L.A. Reid came to talk about the album, mm. and it was a big launch for the album. Yeah. So somebody, one of the staff, we all went down, and, and someone introduced and said, oh, this is Tony, um, you know, this is Tony. And he went, hi, nice to meet you, you know, like that. And he said, this is Tony who played the bass on the original, and he went... <laughs> He went, oh, my God. It's just like, he went like this to me. And I went, uh, you know, he said, love the track. And I, that was it. I thought, okay, this is brilliant. Uh, yeah. you know? And, and it, uh, it did really well. It was a single. You never, you never know what's around the corner. Amazing. Well, uh, just after that, uh, Destiny's Child, yeah. is it a sample or did they redo it as they well? They sampled it and, and yeah. the, these, you know, uh, I think PM Dawn sampled it as well. Yeah, they sampled it. Uh, and true. Yeah, and true, uh, yeah. And yeah, the, yeah. Um, I was going to talk to you about that in a minute. Yeah. Yeah, that's an interesting story. The um, Several people sampled it and Body Talk, yeah. 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 And, uh, but, uh, yeah, so you never know. You you, you never know. I mean, I had no idea. That was just completely out of the blue. Like, commercials come out of the blue, you know, and the thing is... Can I ask, who would you have liked to have covered any of your songs but never did? That's a great question, actually. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. well, I think that uh, there are artists I love, you know, Steve Winwood, Mm. who I nearly produced a Higher Love album, but it fell about in negotiation, so I've got the demos. So Mm. that was a sad thing. Michael McDonald, who I've worked with, but... You know, it's not likely you would have done any of the songs because they're not suitable. But, yeah, sometimes you get a shock when when someone takes your song and you get it back and you go, oh, you know, it's like, you know, what have they done to it sort of thing. (laughs) I've had a few of those. (laughs) But, um, yeah, I mean, I am a huge Frank Sinatra fan. Yeah, I love a bit of Frank. Yeah, Yeah. I played him on the way here. You know, it's just I absolutely think he's – and one of our – one of the guys in SOTS, Tony Hatch, I didn't even know. He produced a whole album with him. Did he? Wow. And as soon as I found that out, I said, you know, I quizzed him. And mm. what was it like? What was it like in the studio? What, what about this? He never came to ATV. I, I, I never came on The Muppet Show, yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, but yeah. Sammy Davis did, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember yeah. seeing him. Yeah. yeah. And he was tiny. tiny. Yeah, tiny. Yeah. He's a great artist. He's great. Yeah. 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 Fantastic. And great dancer. Incredible. Well. Yeah. John Wayne, I saw. Really? Wow. Yeah, John Wayne. <laughs> yeah, and Glenn Campbell, who um, yeah. who notoriously we remember now, he had a radio mic on, and he was, and they left it on in D studio, yeah, you yeah. know, Jake. <laughs> yeah. And he went to the toilets, and they left it up, and he was, he was oh, going no, like on a rhinestone yeah. car boy. Psst, you know? yeah. <laughs> it was really. I always get worried about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Always switch it off. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, you've got to be really careful. Um, yeah, so, yeah. was there a talk of you might have been working with Madonna at one point? Yes. What happened there? Tell us all about that. Well, that's a great story, isn't it? <laughs> oh, my God. She she loved the Imagination Records. She yeah. loved them. And and so she, uh, at the time about Holiday, I, I was given the album. Seymour Stein was trying to get hold of us. And he did get hold of us. And I listened to the, which is Jelly Bean. Yes, yeah, Benita. Benita, Benita yeah. And, and basically, I, I didn't love the album, I'll be honest with you. Mm. And, and But Holiday was a bit unique. Yeah. Well, finally, uh, we got together. The only time I could meet her and she could meet was after that Top of the Pops. And I met her in the hotel room. Uh, yeah, so, and she's tiny, uh, uh, you know, and, yeah. and a force to be reckoned with. Yeah. And she, she played all the demos and, uh, you know, it was like nice meeting and we got on and everything else. And she said, right, when can you do it? 
you know, you know, when can you do, when can you work with us? And we couldn't because we were committed to do Alison Moyet. We committed yeah. to do other stuff, but she she would. F- can you believe this? I mean, I'm working, you know, with Banana Rama, and yeah. and the tape I was saying like, it's Madonna on the phone. I'm going, oh, you know, it's <laughs> like, you know, she's phoned but ten times that day. Do you know what I mean? I was just going, well, what are we going to do? She's you not know. the type that to take yes, no for an answer. Is she? Hi, Madonna. You know, yes, we're still working and everything else. Anyway, in the end, she just we couldn't do it, and she went off and she worked with she did like a virgin with Steinberg and Kelly, Amazing. and that was the end of that story. Amazing. But she Seymour Stein. I met him and and I said, can you believe, you know, after she's massively, can you believe we we never got this together? And he went, oh, don't worry. He said, you did, you did the Alison Moyam. That was great. Yeah. You know, and the thing is that. And it was. Yeah. Madge, bless her soul. She, she would like turn producers over and writers. So she, she would be, we would have lasted an album. Couple of, and then uh, we'd yeah, be like, yeah. gone. She would have come to you. <laughs> <laughs> and then she would just go, she was smart because you just go to anybody, yeah. the right people who have success. It. And oh, the next thing, like Willie yeah. Morbier or, or, or anything course, else. Yeah. So that's that sad yeah. story. But, you know. Oh, amazing. But you, you, things like, you know, opportunities. And, yeah. and when we were having a lot of success, I think that the, the, the because Mate, you we, were working with everyone, time, weren't you? Well, we were doing diverse time. stuff and yeah. writing, yeah. And and so people just saw our name. You know, we yeah. had four singles in the top twenty and a number one album, yeah. things like that. And, so and, but producing other bands well, as well as writing, you know. Yeah, and, yeah. and the thing that is, so so people want to buy into that. They just yeah. go, they just phone you up, you know, and go. I mean, there were loads of people for, and going. You know, we want to work with you. You want to work with you because they they saw it as like a passport, as if we were going to make them successful, which didn't happen all the time. Yeah. But but yeah, it was it was mad, but great. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, Tony, you touched upon working with Alison Moyer earlier on. Um, tell me, what was that like working with her? It was an interesting experience, yeah. Rick. And and Alison is a, a, a fantastic singer. And, yeah. and, a, and a great person. But was there pressure on you? Tons. Yeah. yeah. I mean, she, up until then, she'd been in a band. Um, yeah. And it was her first solo outing, wasn't it? So Well, she'd been with Vince. Been, and, yeah. and Vince and her are parted. Yeah. I mean, I have to tell you something yeah, about Vince, who is absolutely brilliant. But I yeah. can never get my head around that he wrote those tracks on a guitar. Amazing. It, you know, as far as I'm concerned, Vince sat with his BBC computer going, do, 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 you know, yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Or, or with sequences like yeah. you or I yeah. do. But he wrote those tracks on the Amazing. guitar. Amazing. But anyway, she was like lost and she'd gone to Lamont Dozier and he'd written Invisible for her yeah. and, and produced it and done the recording, but it all went wrong. Yeah. Muffin would called us up and said, Look, you know, I, I want I'd really like you to meet Alison and work with her. Yeah. And 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 write with her. So we went to Basildon hmm. and well we got Is the gig. Is that where she lived? Yeah. We got the gig and um when you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At Bluenile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to Bluenile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at Bluenile.com for $50 off your purchase. Bluenile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Excuse me. We got the gig and we, we were going to co-write the entire album with her, which we did. So we just set off for Basildon every day. She'd done this massive deal with CBS, the biggest deal that was, you know, that was one of the deals they used to do at that time, mm. which was actually in, in, in reality lasted 25 years because basically it was a demand for albums. But basically you make an album, you tour, it, it realistically is going to be another couple of years before yeah. you make an album. It just, yeah. These deals went on and on. Mm. And she had a, it was allegedly at that time, what, 1984, wasn't it? It was worth four million. And, and that was so pressure. Yeah. But anyway, we wrote the tracks and then we, we started recording them in, say, August, October, September, mm. something like that. We, we did the single Love Resurrection first. Yes. Yeah. And uh, I remember I was talking to someone the other day. We decorated the studio for Muff to come down. He hadn't heard a thing. Can you imagine it? <laughs> and, and we'd also done on the other track a, a jazz track called Baby It's You on the B side. And, and she'd written Welcome Muff and everything. And, and, and we played in the B side first. And he went, he, I could see his face going, oh, my God. What have they done? You know, like these, they've turned her into oh, Ella Fitzgerald. And like, you know, I could see the bubbles of like the, the four million floating oh. away, you know, and, and the horror of it all. And, and uh, you know, Muff is the greatest, one of the greatest A&R men ever. He produced mm -hmm. Dire Straits, Sparks. He totally understood and was yeah. the bass player in with Steve, his brother, in uh, Spencer Davis. Yeah, wow. Brilliant guy. Brilliant. And he, he, I could see he looked worried. And, and he just saw these sort of like decorations and everything. Uh, and then um, we played in Love Resurrection. And he went, yeah. oh, it's fantastic, you know. So and it was quite different. Yeah. Anyway, the record came out. Um, Helen Terry, who did back vocals in Culture Club, yeah. also bought a record out. The press were really cruel about both of them. They wrote awful articles about about their size, actually, yeah. which is awful. Yeah. And um, Love Resurrection. Which wouldn't happen these days. No. No. And it stuck at number 13 mm -hmm. uh, or 10. I can't remember. Anyway, it was enough and it was played and played and played and yeah. people loved it. And then we finished, we started to do the rest of the album and there was pressure. And then I had a phone call. We were coming up to Christmas. Mm. I had a phone call from Muff saying, well, how are you getting on? Fine. Yeah, we're doing about halfway through. Yeah, we've done this, we've done that. And he went, Okay. I need you to do something. I, he said, I need this album quickly and I need you to finish it. And I said, well, okay, well, I'll see what I can do. And I said, when? In two weeks. That's what he said. And, and we went, oh, my God. But we finished that album, we delivered it, and it was, it was number one yeah. for Christmas. Amazing. But the, the stress of it yeah. was, was unreal. Were you working day and night then for 
two weeks. Yeah, 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 and and, and mixing it and, and trying to get it finished. Yeah, and and doing alternate mixes and uh-huh. and things like that. But I mean, look, it's sold. I don't know, five six million. So fine. But, yeah, but she. She allegedly, I mean, this this is, I have to be careful what I say. I think now she thinks differently about it. But yeah. I think with the pressure, our brief from the record company was very strict. It said Dusty Springfield. We want Dusty Springfield yeah. type album. Yeah. And I was trying to keep it contemporary because yeah. I, lun- I had lunch with Matt, Matt, uh, Muff when yeah. I'd more or less delivered it yeah. in, you know, and played to him. And he said, there are no solos. You know, there's no guitar solo or sax solo. I said, yeah. yeah, I know. I said, it's deliberate. I said, there are breakdowns and sections. I said, yeah. I said, look, Muff, well, you, you know, it's like, here it comes, the sax solo, or here it comes. I said, we don't, and he went, okay, I get that. And that was it. And, um, yeah, so so All Cried Out went to, uh, it peaked at eight. And then Invisible, the, the Lamont Dozier yeah, track, yeah, yeah. the only track we didn't write, uh, was released, and it went to 24. And I went, oh, my God, it's over. And I got a phone call from Muffs going, the reason it's gone 24, Tony, is because the album is number one. <laughs> yeah. So so is it... So what, oh, is that the third single, fourth single? Invisible? It was the third single prior to the album release. You yeah. see, the point is, people have gone... What it was is was that, yeah, I love Invisible, but I'm going to buy the album. Yeah. So I couldn't, yeah. Yeah, the single wasn't an issue, really. Yeah. So yeah, and you hadn't written it anyway, so who cares? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not thinking like that, but but you saying that Alf wasn't wasn't overly happy with it, or she she didn't like she didn't like the way she'd sung it, uh, uh, or, or this is what I'd heard. This is all rumor, high stress, and she listened to the cassette in the car, and I heard that she threw it out the window and hated it. Hated I think the there might have been an element of. The memory of the stress of those last two weeks that might have been playing on her mind when she was listening to it. It might yeah. have brought back memories. You know what I mean? Yeah, that it wasn't. It was all about deals, money, yeah. pressure. Yeah. Not and the music had taken the, the back seat. Although we delivered it, mm. we, we'd have managed to deliver it. The sad thing is, is that we had another album in us, and and she just didn't want to do it with us. It was it was like a sort of divorce in a way. It was horrible. Yeah. And you, when you when you've made someone. You've done a good job with somebody, yeah. and there's more left in you. Yeah. We, we never got. We did write with her a track which which is under wraps uh, yeah. after that, and I've met her since. And you know, it's okay, but yeah. the, but there's these things happen. Yeah, yeah. People fall out, yeah. and, and 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 that's it. But it 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 really it upset me. Yeah, it yeah. really did, oh, and no, it threw me. Imagine, you know, yeah. and I thought so. But we went on to do other mm, stuff. Yeah. Can you separate then the process of making an album if that's a particularly stressful time or, or you know, if that if that was a difficult time or whatever from the actual from the end product? I mean obviously like you said, Rick, it's mm. gonna give you a memory or a yeah. or a kind of a, a bad feeling. Mm. Uh, the only way I could relate to that is if you did a movie and it was it's you know, yeah. you can have a horrible time doing a movie, but the movie goes on to be a huge success. Then, yeah. then is that the same for you yeah. guys? I, I don't think you wanna listen to it. I can't listen yeah. to them sometimes yeah. for six months after, and then I put it on and go, actually, this isn't bad. Yeah. Plus, when you're when you're producing and, and, and Rick, you know this, and like yourself, you know you scene after scene after scene. Yeah. You you know I've heard these tracks a thousand times. Yeah, you need some separation. Yeah, yeah, and I can't. I don't even know. I I, I think okay, well that's it. Uh, and you know, and when you when you're so involved with the writing, you've played the parts, and, and when yes, you come to mix yeah. that thing, you've got to go. I spent two days doing that overdub, but it actually is rubbish, and take it out. But Getting I mean, too it, close to it. It shocks me, you know, in your in your business, Jake, that, that 
you know, the amount of people uh, acting or, or movie stars and things they never even seen the films. They never mm. watched them. Mm. So, yeah, you know, they yeah. never... They, and I can't get my head around yeah. that, you know. Yeah. They just... They don't want to see them. Mm. You know, they don't want to see themselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. some actors can't see themselves, yeah. can they? No. So, yeah, I, um, I do understand that. Well, I find, yeah, I find that slightly weird. I think it's yeah. the only way to to, to improve in, in, in your mm. craft, and it must be the same in, in music. You know, you have to listen back. And, yeah. I was going to say, how do you know when a, a song is finished? How do you know when you stop fiddling with it? You, you start the day with nothing, a mm. coffee, you talk about... The football on television, or what's going on, or, or you know, Brexit—the horrible word, mm. the, the or, or anything, or you know, had too much to drink last night, or mm. cars, or anything yeah. else. And then you you natter, natter, and then you sit down, put the equipment on, and you write something. You do a fabulous demo. At the beginning of that day, there was nothing. At yeah, the end of that day, yeah, there is a yeah. song. That is, and do you know it's what? Such a great feeling. The best thing about that is nobody else has heard it. Mm. You're the two people who are privy to it. Mm. Then you've got that decision of letting it out the bag. But your question about finishing a song is 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 just you think you have to pick at it. You, you, you sort of you go and you do it and you go, well, I think we could improve that bit and maybe that bit. Yeah. Or someone, middle eights are, are an art in themselves yeah. and can save a song because they, they're, you know, you've got your verse and your bridge and your chorus and, and, the, and the middle eight takes you somewhere else yeah. and that can really save a song yeah. I mean I can tell uh, w when you do what we do you can you know some of these the, the, the say for instance you know Rihanna or Little Mix or any of these things they're so crafted in, 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 the, in the computer that they, they couldn't do a lot of this stuff without yeah. a computer to, to pick up each thing mm -hmm. tune it effects yeah. like that yeah. um, and it's making a certain kind of record mm. which I think in some ways uh, they've lost some of their personality mm. they, 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 I, I feel that some of them artists are indistinguishable from the, from the others mm. but I have to say that the, the teenagers seem today they just they don't you know they, they listen to anything that could be from Bob Dylan mm. to some wild synth stuff and, and they get they once they've finished with it they go on to something else mm. singles you know singles are back Really, yeah, you know, not yeah. albums, you know. What yeah. do you listen to at the moment? Ben Howard's not a new artist, but I like him. There's a guy called uh, called Ry Cummings who's under Ryex, and he did a track called Deliverance, which I absolutely love. I wrote to the engineer. I, it's just the most amazing track, mm. and he's had tracks in films. Um, I don't. I'll be honest with you. I don't love a lot of the new stuff, mm. but I love people who are being inventive and people are doing clever mixes and, and, and there are some brilliant songs around. I mean, I do, you know, I, I, it's in, interesting how popular Ed Sheeran is for being so diverse. He mm. seems to like, he could do anything and work, do an R&B track mm, or work, yeah. work, work with, you know, Steve Mack and, 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 and do anything and, and, and the public just absorb it and yeah, it's, it's, clever, it's clever huge. Yeah. Shape of you, you know, it, it's just... Anything goes, and I think, but that's I think that's to do with the the whole sort of on demand situation we're in with social media and everything else. You know, it's like now mm. we want we want something now, we want something different, and, and I think it's it's more stimulating, you know. Yeah. But yeah, it's 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 interesting. I mean, I I've, and it's interesting how it's all crossed, you know, mm. how it's R and B's crossing the jazz. Yeah, and, yeah. Yeah. Um, you work with Banana Rama, obviously. Indeed. And um, you've wrote a couple of hits for them. Yeah. Um, Shy Boy, was the original title something about car? Uh, I'll tell you why, because Lee Bennett, who's not with us today, unfortunately, he's, he did a little bit of research on this. All right. Okay, he said, I'm told the girls weren't happy to sing a song called 
big red motorbike. And somehow it morphed into Shy Boy. Can you tell us about that tone? That's interesting. Well, 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 we met. That's a good question. It's a good question, isn't it? So we, my big red motorbike. Yeah. So we were trying to write this track and work on it. We were working on the studio, and 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 Steve had come up with this. The the, the chorus was like the same chords, but he he went out in the studio and went right, okay, I'm going to do this. And he went he went out there and sang. On your big red motorbike, and, and I, I was just looking at him, and, and then he, he he came in full of it, going, "Well," and I said, "It's just crap." <laughs> <laughs> I said, "It's so bad that I don't even know what to say." So he, he looked at me. I, I think probably a few, few missiles later, tape brutal, box. Brutal yeah, I won't tell yeah. you what I said. I he said, "I can't tell you what he said." But that's that was all. That's yeah. that was our working relationship. It was uh, all over. You know, it's just like I think his words were. I'll leave out the swear words. You come up with something better. From that, we we just went. Well, you know, it's up. It, you know. So, so that's what happened. You've done it, make you feel good. Uh, yeah, yeah, that was it. Yeah. It's like yeah. that's what most Motown things are. So yeah, that's yeah, how yeah. Yeah. that's how that evolved. Yeah. They liked it. They came in, and you know, we learned that this wasn't going to be easy. You know, yeah. they just around the mic, three of them together was the best way to record them, and then track oh, them. Oh wow! Up. Not individually. We tried yeah. that. That doesn't yeah, work. Yeah. They had a blend. It was the sound. It was the hairbrush singing. Yeah. The girls in the bedroom singing around hairbrush. And uh, so we recorded that, and then I mixed it. Well, no, I did an end-of-evening mix. Like, uh, you know, like, whatever, stick it all up. Uh, yeah. and, and I went, we listened to really saying something. I remember listening to the studio and going, I said, our track doesn't sound anything like that. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, it just, yeah. audio, engineering-wise, audio-wise. Yeah. So I went through the whole desk. Like the, all the things were up, and I just went junk, junk. You know, more middle, more crunch, more crappy echo, more of this, more of that. I put that down on tape as a yeah. rough mix. Yeah, that's what went out. Wow! And that was the story. Of that and we went to number yeah. four. Couldn't wow, believe it. Amazing. And and the same bass I used. Yeah, same yeah. bass again. They're yeah, all Roland, yeah. and yeah. Um, but it had a vibe to it. Yeah, and that and that was it. And then we, and then what happened then? Oh, we 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 recorded Na Na Hey Hey. Yeah, kissing goodbye, and then. They, they, without any warning, we don't even know why. They just said, we don't want to work with you anymore. So I just went, well, we're all in the middle of doing... And they went to Barry Blue, yeah. who did Cheers then, which went to number 46. <laughs> and then something went down there. I don't know what. So the, I got a call from, like, can you meet us in the pub? Who from? Who's the girls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you meet us in the pub? Right. So, so, <laughs> so we're going to next door and meet them in the pub. We want to work with you again. We were going, what the hell? You know, it's just like, what is going on? You don't want to work with us? You want to work with us? What's, what's going what was it? What was the reason? Don't know. Don't know. Don't know. Right. I, I haven't got a clue yeah. to this day. Yeah. And um, so fortunately, we had a copy of Nana Hey Hey, a 24 track, and we finished that, and that yeah. went to number five. Yeah. Then we did Robert De Niro's Waiting, yeah. which was went Huge. to number two. Yeah. Which was, which is, uh, yeah, well, that's when they went, met yeah. De Niro. Yeah. And he didn't know what to say either. They just sat in the, in the pub not talking yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that must have been it and you know then we did yeah. Cruel Summer yeah which was you know that was in the Karate Kid that was brilliant yeah. so yeah. they used a 12 inch in the Karate Kid great that went to that was in it's American it's, yeah, yeah an American top same bass yeah that, and that yeah. was a track that Imagination didn't want to do it was a back track and then wow. um, yeah so 
and that that was a a, a big hit for us yeah. and um, globally. Yeah. And then Ace of Base covered it ten years later. Wow. And, and made it a hit again. Yeah. So um, you never know. Amazing. What, what what's around the corner? So. Um, Tony, tell me about um, your. Do you have any fond memories of recording the Spandau stuff, like True and Gold, and all those amazing tunes that they had? Yeah. I mean that's hard, but yeah. In what way? Well, we we. Spandau Ballet go, were going through a difficult, difficult stage. Yeah. They'd done Cut a Long Story Short. Things I don't think things were going great for them. Producer-wise, they were working with Trevor Horn. Yeah. And Trevor had kept them, you know, more or less in prison. Instinction, I think they did. Yeah, they he Trevor. did the remix, and, yeah. and, and then he started to do new tracks. And I think he was trying to do a bass drum for two weeks. Like Trevor That's is hard on anyone. I, um, I think. No disrespect, Trevor. Yeah. I, I idolise Trevor Horn's work, yeah, and, yeah. and, and he is do. brilliant. But I think there was some friction here about yeah. what's going on. Yeah. Anyway, so I, I said, Spanner Valley, I'm not sure about that, really. And then someone said to me, uh, who was working in the office, said, "Yeah, maybe you should reconsider that." So we went to a rehearsal room to see them. Uh, you know, playing some of the new stuff. And I was we were so taken aback by their sheer enthusiasm mm. and, like, you know, we're very much alive, mm. even though we may be struggling a bit with chart positions and that, you know. So that was it. And then we did one track with them uh, as a sort of, let's see how we yeah, get on, I think, yeah. Lifeline. Yeah. And that was a hit. Great. So it was, like, number seven. And then they asked us to do the true album, which they wanted to do in the Bahamas. So mm. we all set off to book the Bahamas. And uh, which was sounds fabulous, but was three weeks being locked in a room with no windows for yeah. me. <laughs> and uh, you know, there's obviously footage online of it yeah, and everything yeah. else. It was an experience, Amazing. and it was it was great. But yeah. um, you you don't know that what's going to happen. You never know. You know, yeah. we, we worked on tracks. You don't know it's going to be a hit. No, until no. Did, a, you, did you feel that True was going to be as big as it was when no, you were recording it? No. I, I knew that some of the tracks were, were good. Like Gold was on that album, yeah. you see. You must have felt that yeah. was going to be a hit. Yeah, and it was like... But we did a lot of recording there, and then we brought the tapes back, and then we carried on working on them in the UK, and yeah. that was mixed at Red Bus, a lot of that, and yeah. uh, some at Odyssey. Um but the first singles came out, and from that album, they did pretty well, following yeah. Lifeline. Yeah. And then I, I had a phone call, that, and True was six and a half minutes long. And I had a phone call, and they said, we want to release True. And I went, oh, my God. I went back in the studio. I took the master, and I cut it, and I cooked it. You know, I put it through compressors, through the desk. I just said, why don't we put the chorus at the front to... Yeah. to, to that, not for the radio. It was like that on the album. Yeah. Um, because it, 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 this is a big thing of mine through all the work I've done. Is listen to what you got. If you, you often with records, you go, I love that bit in the middle, and you can't <laughs> wait to get to it. I love that bit, and I, I just said, right, why leave? Yeah. Why leave? Wait two minutes. Yeah. Stick that at the front, yeah. whatever it is, yeah, or break it down, or you know, yeah. take that backing yeah. vocal you love and stick it. So I did. Yeah. And that, and that's what it was. So after you've mixed um, True, did you, you you must have had some kind of buzz on that, thinking this is something special. Uh, yeah, do you know the, the thing about it now is that it gets still gets played a lot, but it's it's not dated badly. No. I mean, 
People either love, love Tony Hadley or they don't. I mean, I, it, it took five days to do that lead vocal. Wow. And that's not a criticism of Tony. Mm-hmm. It's just that it was a difficult vocal yeah. to do. Yeah. And, and and he delivered. I can't think of anybody else singing that track. You know, it's just like... Do you know you, what? We, we watched Tony sing it the other night, didn't we? Um, uh, a night for Christina, uh, Kenny Thomas's daughter, very right. poorly. And um, we watched Tony sing that. And his vocal, we were, we were all saying... No one can sing it like Tony. No. Tony, that that is his song. Yeah, yeah. No one can sing it like him. Well, it's, it's like the the plays on it. Even there, it's over five million plays in America. Yeah. I mean, sadly, I didn't write it. You know, but the yeah. thing is, but you know, it, it's it's also I think from a sort of a, a analytical producer point of view. Yeah. We used a, a, an instrument called made by Rhodes called the Rhodes Chroma, and that was a synth. I don't know if you're familiar with it. It was a big thing but the bass was played on that so right. basically it's got a synthetic R&B bass on it Yeah. so I think and also the R&B sampling I think is it's all connected with that simplicity yeah. of that and why it hasn't dated Yeah. Um, I think those are elements plus the real hook of that track is the back vocals. Yes, Gary, yeah. that's Gary Kemp singing those. Yeah. You know, so because yeah. um, Gary's got a great voice. He, yeah, I remember one of the sods do's. He got up and sung true acoustically. Yeah, and um, he sung it beautifully. Yeah, it's a lovely performance. Yeah, and because it, used, it gets used in a lot of movies and sings. Yeah. And, uh, oh, it's and it's ubiquitous. Yeah, as is gold. Yeah, a gold like every. Olympics, Olympics yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sorted. Yeah. yeah, what a great, great idea for a lyric. Well, there's also a hidden thing in there, really, because Duran Duran, Duran Duran, Spandau Ballet were kind of like yeah. a bit of arch enemies, yeah. really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Duran Duran, of got a Bond movie, and this really, yes, that really irked, irked <laughs> Gary, I think. So hence, you know, yeah. and plus, encouraged by me, that's why the middle section is. Bond, isn't it? You know, yeah, dun, 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 yeah, dun, yeah, yeah, Bond yeah, goes. It, yeah. it is. Yeah. It's a Bond track, really. Yeah, it is. But again, that 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 still sounds timeless as well, Tony. I've got to say, mate, the production on those tracks were just. It was just so clean, and everything was beautiful. Well, you're very kind. Thank you. Especially, I thought, you know. Well, it's it's also it's it's. I think my it's an uncluttered approach. Sometimes yes. I, I go cluttered, but the thing is, is that I think that had come from the imagination. I like you know it's it's using the reverbs properly, yeah. and that you know, and, yeah. and I tell you what, on true, I, you know, we were talking about Jay, you know Frank Sinatra. Mm. I was fascinated by the Americans. Tony Bennett yeah. is a great example yeah. of this, it, and then George Michael used this same yes. technique. Of the the echo they use reverb, which yeah. is uh, using with a thing called pre delay, and, and they what they do is they delay they, then they delayed it with tape, so you get nothing, and the echo slaps back. There would be a and it, with the s's or take off. You yes, know, it's like yeah. you know, I left my heart yeah. you know, San Fran. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, oh, sorry. Yeah, and, um, yeah, yeah. I I used to listen to this and I'd go, I re- I really like that, and that's what I used to use on his voice, and on the mixes. A lot of people do mix mixes and and don't move the reverb. I I would ride the sends on the reverb mm. all the time, sending each at the end of the lines. Whoop, you know, yeah, into yeah, echo. Yeah, yeah. Because it. What were you using? Was that lexicon? Or yeah, was it? yeah, that was a lexicon, I think. Yeah. And and the the it brings it alive. Yeah. So, but yeah, it's it's. It, I think that's. I like the combination of the, from my own satisfaction of being able to, you know, to like yourself to do the engineering, the production, and, and, and it, it, you can go, oh, we could do this and we could do that. It is, yeah. although it's nice to sit back and let somebody else do all the, you know, the yeah, computer yeah. work because it's quite exhausting. But what's your favourite experience? Is it writing or producing? I like 
my my least favourite experience is is vocals because they're not because I don't love working with the people. It's because I, I've been asked about this before. You cannot, you know, it, it's a, it's a psychotherapy job. You, all you can do is put somebody at ease. They've got the confidence and the voice that they walk mm. in that studio with, and they're going to deliver or they're not going to deliver. And 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 some vocalists come in, you know, even though they're now nervous, they've got you know, four lemons, honey thing, a suitcase full of mm. lucky <laughs> and you just yeah. that's all you can do. And and but nerves, the pro- nerves is a big is a big, big thing. Do you think most artists are, are, oh, are, are that way in your experience? I I would say so, in my so, experience. So, yeah, no no criticism to them. I wouldn't you know, doing a lead vocal and, and singing with headphones on is a it's pressure. It, yeah. It's a it's a really difficult thing to do right. Mm. Yeah. And the thing is in pitch and harmony and, and all that stuff. And it's such a different experience to singing it live in front of a, an audience. If you've got an audience there and you're singing to someone, you're seeing people's reaction as you sing yeah. and, and that gives Gives you makes you do stuff that you wouldn't normally do in a studio. You've got your headphones on, you've got a microphone in front of you, and a, just a load of grey material that that's deadening the sound. And it's like so synthetic. It's that there's no there's no real the inspiration. Kind of... Is like they look through the window and see you or me. Yeah, <laughs> and chance, chance, yeah, reading a book. <laughs> chances are we're having soup. Yeah, <laughs> or a yogurt and talking. Yeah, you yeah. know, like oh, yeah, yeah, and not paying any attention. Yeah, yeah. But the but the thing is, it, it's it, it's a long process doing a yeah. leave vocal. Yeah. Sometimes people come in and it's just like. Oh my god! You know they're just like one take. It's it's a funny thing recording it with Kim because Kim will come into my home studio where we are at the moment, and Kim will sit in front of the mic, and she's literally sitting right next to me, and we're discussing the melodies and the phrasing and mm. lyrics. Even sometimes she'll sing a, a lyric, and for whatever reason, you just feel that it's not feeling comfortable. So sometimes you're even changing lyrics, and then we've gone into somewhere like Rack, and you're in these beautiful surroundings. Mm. and you're in the big studio, and then she'll sing it. And 99% of the time, the original vocal that we did in my studio is the one that we keep because mm-hmm. she's just it's so relaxed, relaxed and it's yeah. just so... Yeah, but you've got an feels... emotional connection as well and you're understanding yeah, yeah. what you're trying yeah. to create together, yeah. and I mm. think... Um, yeah, that would be great as an artist to know that you've got that support that you're working yes, collaboratively yeah, yeah. in it as opposed to yeah. sticking you in a box and saying, right, come on, come up with something. Yeah, I mean, I've tried. Yeah. I mean, I've, yeah. I don't sing really. And, and the thing is, is that I've tried and, and having recorded some incredible singing, you know, sometimes you're doing a demo, you think, oh, just toss this demo and you use yeah. auto-tune and it's an out-of-body experience for yeah. me. I just can't believe how difficult it is. You know, and the yeah. thing is, you it doesn't seem like, you just think, oh, well, that's, I'm going to sing this bit and do that. But it's like, yeah. and I listen to it, I think, oh, God, you know, nobody's going to hear this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I mean, for you, for you, do you, you said you don't, you know, when you're acting, you don't look at yourself mm. or much or anything else. Oh, when, no, I'm quite happy watching, right. watching stuff back, yeah. You, you, but when you're doing it, that process of, uh, the, the, you know, the performance, and I, you know, having been a camera, I know the cameras are here and they're mm. here and there's a lot of bustle behind you. Mm. Does that, you just like in the zone? Yeah, and, you just have to zone that out and you yeah. know, it's part of the job, yeah. Because quite pressure, it's, the turnover is quite pressured, isn't it? It's on EastEnders, yeah, yeah. It's very high turnover, but I think you just get into that, you get into a rhythm, rhythm of doing it. It's yeah. kind of, um, it's very theatrical EastEnders. Like if you've got a ten-page scene, I'll do it. They'll do it in one because you've got four cameras because it's multi-camera. It's very yeah. quick. So yeah. you'll, you'll do ten scenes in. 
in one go. So it's like theatre, really. Mm. Uh, and they live cut it, don't they? Live, yeah, yeah, yeah vision yeah. mix it. They'll yeah. have a version of it. Yeah, it goes straight off. They'll have a cut version straight away. Yeah. There's yeah. many analogies, actually, with recording a vocal with, with a live audience and then mm. recording yeah, it in right, the studio. Yeah. You, it's yeah. like theatre and, yeah, and yeah, recording. Yeah. In the... like to do comedy on TV is very hard if you haven't got an audience because yeah. yeah, it's hard to yeah. gauge what... Because yeah. mm. you're never going to know, are you? But no, if you've got an audience there, then... I remember doing Red Dwarf. We had, I think they had, a, they stood Red Dwarf in front of a thousand uh, audience members, and of course, yeah, you know what's funny then. Don't you? Yeah, yeah. Do you have you done? Do you do theatre and stuff? I did. Yeah, I grew up doing theatre. Yeah. and I haven't done theatre for years and years. So. Did you like that? You... Yeah, it's a great place to learn your craft, and mm. and uh, yeah, because you get to go over every, you know, every night you get to refine and uh, yeah. and and you know, hopefully perfect. Because, yeah. yeah, you know, by the end of the run, hopefully, you know exactly what's going to work. And yeah. that's working at that moment, and that works then. So that's a, that's a nice... But I guess the send is, is slightly different because you, you're you having to learn those those scripts almost daily, don't mm. you? So you yeah. go in, and then you're learning it and then performing mm. it immediately. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's yeah. incredible Just pressure turn over and turnover. And yeah, like cramming for exams. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's also, you know, interesting what we're talking about, vocalists, mm. is that... If the, if the lead vocalist is in, then they're only, you know, the producer's encouraging them and they're only bouncing off there. But they're, it's funny because a lot of times they're isolated in an isolated room. Yes, yeah. And the thing is, like, we, at least you've got, you're bouncing off other actors and, they're, you know, they they give, don't you? Yeah, I mean, yeah, that, yeah sure. Yeah. That's one thing people have I, I, talked to other actors that, you know, if you work with so-and-so, you know, they give, they, they you know, you bounce off yeah, them and sure, they Yeah, sure, yeah, there's an yeah. interaction there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 chemistry. Yeah. 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 I was going to ask, sorry, I was going to yeah, ask, go uh, what's the song you're most proud of? Ah, oh, wow. That's going to be a hard question. Yeah. It? I think one of the, uh, the, the, the Alison Moyet tracks, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think that either Love, Resurrection All Cried Out, yeah. I've heard you sing that um, at one of the sods do. I thought you'd forget. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, just you playing piano, and yeah. that proves what a great song it was. I mean, I, when I was king sod, you know, the, the chairman of for that year, it was the, the, the turnout was something else uh, on the ladies' night because um, Elmer Bernstein, the film composer, turned up. At the guy from um, uh, Bjorn from ABBA, who never comes, turned <laughs> yeah. up. And it was like, and, and I had to play. Of course. And, 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 and it yeah. was like, I've, I've talked about this experience. And, and you know, it, it's strange. I, if you asked me to play any of my songs now, I'd probably struggle. Yeah. And the thing is, you know, I'd have to go away and think, right, what the chords? <laughs> and I'd written a sheet out with the lyrics, and I, and I thought, I'm not... But the, it was like... Pressure. Well, you know, like sort of stageners and things like that. It was like I remember sitting at the piano and like the sort of like, you know, my hands were like there <laughs> oh, and they were like, you know, it's no, like, oh, no, no I and can't the do this. you start <laughs> thinking about it, it's, it's, that's when you start making the mistakes, isn't it? Yes. you're so paranoid about not making a mistake. Of course you're making, <laughs> you know. And the lyrics as well, you know, I was just thinking <laughs> that. And I thought, you know, when you're changing chords yeah, and you've yeah. done it a thousand times before, yeah. but your hands seem to take off. Yeah. <laughs> And you think, are they going to make it to the right chord, yeah. or are they just going to embarrass me? Yeah, you know. And it's of course, horrible, you, the, the, it's thing. all about muscle memory. Just like, I mean, you you do a lot of live work, and yeah. I've never loved doing live work. I was in a band, and and just yeah. well, that's probably because one experience is when I fell off stage with my Fender Rhodes. <laughs> so that's probably you know, that's yeah. not great. Is that it? leaves a scar. It does. Yeah, yeah. yeah. in more ways than one. <laughs> I've done that a few times. Yeah. <laughs> it's not good, is it? And you, no, you haven't even had a drink. You know, it's just yeah. a bad yeah. bad stage. 
stage, you know. Yeah. Or one yeah. leg's gone off, you know. Yeah, monitors on stage, always a bad thing for me there. Yeah. That's why we work on in-ears now, so I don't have that problem anymore. But I have fallen over a few in the past. Um, the industry has obviously changed a lot from when we were working together back yeah. in 86. Yeah. Um, do you think it's changed for the better? It would be really bad, I think, you know, I think the tendency is like you you look back and you go, well, it, it was great. We, we had a great time. We were in a great period of, of electronic innovation, fair lights. Yeah. Everything was exciting. Yeah. Um, it, records were selling, you know, a single would do 450, 500,000 copies, yeah. uh, you know, or even a bad one would do 200 or something. Yeah. And, and it, you, could make, you could make a living. Yeah. But I think that it's it's just changed. And live is big money, yeah, you know. Yeah. I mean for for the big bands, but it, yeah. that's that's hard and and um it, it's it's another form of income. Um So so bearing bearing that in mind, Tony, what advice would you give um to any young aspiring writer or producer? Wow. Well, I think I'd, the advice I give is is if that's what you want to do, you you should keep doing it. You, you might, if you're struggling with money, yeah. a job on the side is a good idea, even yeah. if it's in music or, or like working in a, a venue or, or anything or working in a studio. Yeah. Or they're difficult. A second trade. Yeah, because the thing is, otherwise you start getting depressed. Yeah, work with someone else. That's yeah. because the, 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 someone else is going to keep you know keep you going. It's support. Yeah, don't give up. I mean, the thing is, the thing is, if you love doing it do it you know yeah. don't be put off because it's a passion mm. that will never leave you and the most important thing is to do it for yourself well, I was going to say if you're doing it for money you're probably doing it for the wrong reasons yeah we didn't we never did it for money no, no did we no and and the thing is we, we did it because it's a passion we, we, it's a passion and, and that's still what, is yeah the more you do it the better you become no one can teach you songwriting no but the thing is to be truthful to yourself yeah. and, and because you know you will deliver your best work yeah. And, and I think, you know, I cracked it because of that one thing, really, because mm. I thought, no, I want to do it like this. This is how I feel. This is yeah. what moves me. And, and the thing is, is that that's a vision. If you if you just copy stuff, you know, you've got to remember that anything you listen to now was made mm. a year ago. Yeah. You know, so if you start making that stuff, you're going to be yeah. two years yeah. out of date. Yeah. Yeah. So the thing is to think ahead. You stuck with it for years and years, mm. and I've stuck with it, and, yeah. and and we've you know we've had a good good run, and I still yeah. love doing it. You know, yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's not got any easier. Yeah, that's for sure. But it, I, I still, it still astounds me that though I can still put an album on and get blown away. That really, that never ceases to amaze me. I was, mm. I was listening to a band called Bonnie Vare um, on the plane on the way back from Denmark yesterday. And listening to the whole album right the way through, it absolutely astonished me how, how mm. fresh and different after everything that's been released over all these years, and you can still make something sound so different. Totally. That, that's, it just shows that it can be done, and it gives me hope um, that you can still make something a bit special. It's like watching what's coming out, whether it's Killing Eve, which is very different. You yeah. know, it's all personal. I mean, Years and Years, which is a new series, I think is just, uh, yeah. you know, really interesting. It's a, it's a, it's a real comment, and, and it's been done very cleverly. Tony, I just want to thank you so much for coming down. And Pleasure. I, I've, I've found this chat absolutely amazing, and I've loved it. 
Oh well, listen, I've I've enjoyed every minute to talking to both of you because it's it's great and it's a, you know it's Jake's in a different profession to us and I find yeah. that fascinating as well. Yeah. And and the thing is, is that well, it's it's down to Jake we all love what we do. It's down to Jake that we're we're actually here because um, Jake mentioned to me about starting a podcast. Um, couple of years ago and I said yeah 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 and you know what I'm like Tony I'm, I need to kick up the arse and, and, and Jakey did that and um, and he said come on we'll do it together and it's so it's kind of through Jakey that we're doing this well, that's great. Yeah, no, and, but for um, me it's, it's fascinating to sit in here you guys talk I mean I don't know what you're talking about after time in terms of the, the technical <laughs> aspects of it but you know I just I really do find it fascinating and uh I think oh, it's yeah. important because we, we, we get wrapped up. You know, it, it's the jigsaw and the nuts and bolts of making records. Yeah. And and our job is to deliver hits. Yeah. You know, and, and sometimes, we you know, we try and we, it doesn't work. But the thing is, is that, that, that that's that's it. Yeah. Um, I can't tell you the number of people who came up to me and I went, OK, that's great. You know, body talk. They said, yeah, we made love to that last night. Yeah. I went, thank you. <laughs> That's a little yeah. bit too much information. information. <laughs> yeah, we only got up to the middle eight. Because <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we were listening to the long version. <laughs> yeah, too much information. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, Tony, thank you so much for joining us, Pleasure. mate. We've, it's been a fascinating talk. And, um, and yeah, I've, I've, I, I never cease to be amazed at your stories. And, and I know there's so, there's so many more that I'd love to get out of you. Um, Listen, and hopefully one day we'll, we'll we'll do it again. Yeah, no, it'd be it'll be great, and it's always great to see you. And and the thing is, is you know we've done an album together, yeah. and it was it it turned out fantastically. Yeah, and I, I still you know love those tracks. It was, it was a big success for Kim. What other blessing for uh, our friendship could for yeah. that be? Yeah. Because it was. You know, it was a beautiful it was, it process and, and a beautiful album, and, yeah. and every time I hear it, I've got nothing but wonderful memories. So yeah, and yours, um, look look what you're doing. You're still yeah. still here. You're still making records. Uh, yeah. Kim's still great, and and that's it. You know, yeah. I mean, banging them out. Yeah. Well, thank you, Jake. As well, well. And, uh, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. It's been it's thanks. been a lovely chat, and so um, yeah. Thanks. Thanks. Wow, Tony Swain. Fantastic chat. I know Jake and I were absolutely blown away. It's, it's always lovely to see Tony. Uh, we share so many lovely memories of, of recording the Close album. And, um, yeah, it's it's just great to see him. Um, thank you so much for listening in, and I really hope that you can join us next week where we speak to some more legends. Lots of love to you all. Take care. Bye. You have been listening to Unsung Heroes with me, Ricky Wilde, Jake Wood and Lee Bennett. Produced and created by myself and Jake Wood for Wildwood Productions. With music and editing, again by myself, Ricky Wilde. Artwork by Scarlet Wild and hosted by Acast. Just to remind you that there is a link in the notes directing you to a Spotify playlist featuring all the songs we have discussed in this episode. Many thanks for listening. Unsung Heroes. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 